to open scripture again. Look back to Matthew chapter 28. I'll read one verse before we begin. I'll read verse 19. Matthew 28 verse 19. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So, as we turn back to Matthew chapter 28, you could almost, almost be forgiven for a sense of, uh, I don't know, a sense of reluctance. I can almost hear you say, oh no, uh, not another sermon on the Great Commission. This is, is it not a sort of section of scripture that is preached on a lot? It's a section of scripture that's preached on frequently, and I guess, I suppose, especially so in a congregation that's had a couple of, of vacancies recently. You've heard these words expounded and preached on before. But tonight, um, I assure you that things are going to be a bit different. Because tonight what we're doing is we are launching a new scheme. We are launching LCPC's mentoring program. A mentoring program. So, the question surely is what is meant by that? What, what does a mentoring program involve? Well, I'm sure you've heard the word mentoring uh, being used in recent times. Much as I kind of hate to admit it, it's a bit of a, a buzzword in sort of leadership or, or, or business management. And that's fine. Who cares? The question is, why are we rolling it out in a church context? Why would mentoring be part of a congregation? Well, that's what we're going to look at tonight. The purpose, I guess, the, the theme, the intention this evening is to demonstrate that, that mentoring is a thoroughly biblical idea. It is. It's scriptural. It's something that is fully in line with biblical teaching. Okay, so that's enough by way of introduction. Let's look at the Great Commission. Let's look at these verses and let's consider a few questions about mentoring as we do that. So the first question tonight, the first point is this. Why is discipleship important in the life of a congregation? That's our first question. Why is discipleship important in the life of the congregation? Okay, well I've said already that, that you and I we are surely familiar with the Great Commission. But with that, there's a kind of danger that we can fall into. There's a, there's a slight 
error that we can make with these last verses of Matthew chapter 28. You see, what can happen is that we focus on the initial part of the Great Commission at the expense of the rest of it. You know, we can focus on the instruction that Jesus gives to go. We've heard sermons on that, I'm sure. And we can focus on the instruction to go and we can sideline the rest of the sentence. Now, that sounds perhaps a little bit iffy. <laughs> that sounds perhaps a little bit uh, controversial. So before I go on, I'll make something very, very clear. And that is that if a congregation like ours is going to obey the Great Commission, then we have to have an evangelistic zeal. You know, we have to, to go. We have to be people who are desperate to go out with the gospel and to tell people about Jesus. We can't be a sort of little enclave of the free church. We have to be outward looking. We have to go. But that said... The emphasis of verse 19 is an onward go. In the Greek, there are in that sentence, in, in verse 19, there's three participles, and yet there's only one imperative verb. You got it? Three participles. And just one imperative verb. You see, the emphasis, the Great Commission, it is not ongoing. And the emphasis of the Great Commission, it is not on baptizing. And it's not on teaching. Where's the emphasis? The emphasis is on making disciples. That is the imperative verb, making disciples. That is the emphasis of Jesus' word. You see, there's a great quote I read this week. It's by a man. I think his name is Michael Green, but it was one of those occasions where I glimpsed and flicked through and I didn't quite catch it. I think his name is Michael Green. Regardless, this is what he said. He said, in the Great Commission... The apostles are not called to evoke decisions. They are called to make disciples. I'll say again. The disciples, the apostles, are not called to evoke decisions, but to make disciples. Do you see what the guy is saying? He's saying that our job as Christians is not to kind of go out there and, and try and get a really quick and hasty profession of faith from someone and then just boost on to the, to the next person. It's not about that. Jesus wants us to be disciple-making. He wants us, yeah, he wants us to be involved in trying to win converts for Christ. But he wants us to be training people. He wants us to be equipping and teaching he wants us to be building up believers to the point that their entire lives, everything in their lives, is focused where? Is focused on 
him. So folks, are you with me so far? You got it. We are to be, yes, evangelistic as a church. We must be looking out that the emphasis of the Great Commission is actually on making disciples. Making disciples. We're to build up believers. Now, this past week, I listened to a talk online. And it was by a, a, a theological lecture from the States. And he was given a talk about discipleship. And it was very interesting. One of the things he said really sort of hit home with me. Because this guy, okay, he's a theological lecturer, but he's also a a pastor of a church. And and he's a pastor of one of these, you know, gigantic, mega churches somewhere in the southern states of America. But he said that his congregation was really struggling and really battling with how to to obey the the words that come straight after that imperative in verse 19. You see, what does it say? Who is it that we are to make disciples of? Do you see it in verse 19? It says we're to make disciples of all nations. Okay? All nations. And this pastor, this this guy was, was really, really struggling with us because... You know, you could tell that, that his church was a white church. You know, his church, you know, from the way he was talking, it wasn't just a predominantly white church either. This was, you know, a, an exclusively sort of white, upper, upper middle class church. And this guy, this, this pastor, he just couldn't see where to begin in trying to make disciples of, of all nations. Now, have a look at, around you tonight and uh, have a look at the people in this room this evening. Now, we might just be, and we are just a tiny proportion of people compared to that uh, massive mega church in the States. But do you get it? Do you see what an opportunity even a small group like us has? You know, of all the churches that I've ever been to and of all the the churches that I've ever been involved with, we at LCPC, we are by far best placed to make disciples of all nations. You know, if, if we, if this isn't just talk, And if we embrace discipleship, and if we embrace mentoring, then people from all over the world, they can come to our congregation, they can come in here for as long as they're in London, and they can be equipped. They can be trained and taught. They can be built up. And then, let me ask you, what happens? What happens then? Well, they go back to where they came from or they go to another part of the world and then what happens then they make disciples of all nations friends in this place 
you know, in this congregation, we really genuinely have an exciting opportunity to obey the Great Commission. We do. There's just a few of us that we have an opportunity to make disciples of all nations. Okay. Let's move on. Let's consider a, a, an altogether much more specific question. And that question um, is, what exactly is mentoring? We've seen the kind of general call of Scripture to make disciples. But what, you know, when we talk about LCPC's mentoring program, what exactly is that all about? Well, let's start that with two drastically different definitions of mentoring. So you're ready for the two definitions of mentoring. The first one we'll call the Americanized um, definition of mentoring. This is the more elaborate and, uh, and flowery version. So this is one definition that a chap gives. He says this. Mentoring is more than simply teaching and training. It is investing time and prayer. It is building relationships and investing emotionally in the transfer of values, skills, and attitudes. So that might be helpful. That's the first definition. But perhaps because I'm a simple uh, Scottish peasant, the second uh, definition is more attractive, I think. It's much more simplistic and down to earth. Simply mentoring is one-to-one discipleship. Mentoring is one-to-one discipleship. Now, if we're going to do this, and if we're going to embrace it as a church, the one thing that we have to be absolutely sure about is whether this idea of one-to-one discipleship is biblical or not. So is it? Are there examples in Scripture of a mature Christian discipling a, a younger Christian? Well, of course there are. There are a, an abundance of places and examples that we could choose. We'll go through a couple of them very briefly, just a few of them here. So stick with me here, friends, as we think about Moses and Joshua. Think about their relationship. Moses was absolutely integrally involved in, in, in Joshua's life before Joshua came to prominence within the the community of faith. There was a a relationship there from the beginning. It was a a discipling relationship. So Moses and Joshua. Can you think of any other ones in the Old Testament? What about the obvious one? What about Elijah and Elisha? Elijah and, and Elisha. Now that's an obvious mentoring situation, isn't it? You know, you've got Elijah, you've got this senior chap, you've got the older Christian, and he is shepherding, and he is guiding, and he is training his younger brother in faith. 
So you get it. It's present in the Old Testament. But what about the New Testament too? Well, think about Barnabas and Saul. That's a really interesting example of a relationship, isn't it? You know, Barnabas goes to Saul. He finds him. And I suppose you could say he puts his arm around Saul. And he spends time with him. He travels with Saul. He brings him back to Antioch. Again, it's, it's a mature, it's an older Christian spending time with a younger Christian. And then consider what happens with Saul after that. Saul grows. Paul grows in faith. And what does Paul do, friends? Paul mentors other men. Paul mentors Timothy. Paul mentors Titus. You get it? Do you see the picture that emerges in Scripture? We've got numerous examples of mature Christians shepherding, training, teaching, equipping, loving Praying with, praying for younger believers. So, mentoring is a scriptural message, a scriptural method, rather, of discipleship. But let me pause at that. Because let's try and establish what mentoring will look like, or would look like, um, with us in our congregation. What would mentoring look like? Well, it's, it's a one-on-one discipleship, isn't it? So what would happen is that the, the church leadership here will suggest partnerships within the congregation. Suggest partnerships, discipling partnerships. We'll speak to people in the congregation, we'll speak to you and discuss partnerships with you. Now, Truth be told, if you embrace this, if you involve yourselves in mentoring, then not all that much is really asked of you. You know, you will be expected perhaps to meet up with your discipling partner maybe once a month, maybe more frequently than that, maybe slightly less frequently. You'll get to know each other, you know, you'll perhaps when you meet up, you'll go through a Bible study book together. Perhaps you'll go through a sermon. You will be expected to pray together. So the idea really is someone else, I think, put it before me, is that what we have here is more than just a friendship. It's more than that. It's a relationship with a purpose. More than a friendship, it's a relationship with a purpose. Now, you might be sitting there thinking that that, none of this is particularly remarkable stuff, and it's it's not controversial, and it's not groundbreaking, because lots of other churches do exactly the same stuff here. But in a congregation like ours, you know, in a congregation that that sees this huge turnover of people, don't we? And in a congregation like ours that could easily see a division between younger Christians and the not-so-young Christians, 
in a congregation like ours, surely the prayer has to be that God will bless this. That God would use mentoring powerfully. Use it to enhance unity in the congregation. That he would use it to develop spiritual growth. And that he would use it to provide a platform where we can go out and make disciples of all nations. So we've seen that discipleship is important. That was the first thing. And we've seen something of what mentoring would, would, would kind of specifically look like in the life of our church. So let's look at a final thing. Final question. Final point. Who should be involved in mentoring? Who should be involved in this? And we've just got three quick things to say here. Now, when you're brought up a wee boy in Scotland, then there is uh, a class in school that you dread more than any other. Because the the scenario is that you are going to your gym class and uh, you are thinking you're going to get football or you're going to get rugby maybe or you might even get cricket. But you get to gym... And you find that now is the time where you begin the Highland Dancing Module. And that is a nightmare for all self-respecting wee boys in Scotland. A nightmare. And of course, the worst aspect of the module, the worst aspect of, of the class, is that there is just no getting out of it. No excuse. The, the PE teachers, they've heard it all before. There is no excuse that will get you out of Highland dancing. No, much, no matter how much it is dreaded, it is mandatory. And in some ways, folks, is that not how we really approach evangelism? Is that not how we approach discipleship sometimes? You know, we feel that it's, it isn't something that we're very good at. And it's something that we can come to dread. But you see, in the Great Commission, in verse 17, what we're told? In verse 17, we're told that It was those people who fell before Jesus in worship who were called to make disciples. Disciple-making is for worshippers. Disciple-making is for Christians. Now, Spurgeon, he put it like this. He said that the Great Commission is for all Christians. He said the Great Commission is our commission as much as it was the Apostles' Commission. So the first kind of sub-point with us is that disciple-making is, is, is mandatory for believers. 
This is something for all of us, all believers. So that's the first sub-point. The second sub-point is to maybe address the elephant in the room. The question that you might be thinking, you might be asking, is this sort of discipleship, is this not the preserve of the spiritual leadership of the congregation? Should this not be for the the elders and the minister? Is that what you're thinking? Well, if it is, I'll read you um, just two verses, or one and a half verses from Titus. Paul's letter to Titus. You don't need to look it up. Just listen to it, please. This is Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Paul speaks to Titus, and he says this. Listen to this. He says, Teach the older women to be reverent. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure. You see it. The instruction that Paul gives is not for Titus, it's not for the church leadership to be directly involved in instructing these younger women. The instruction is for the older women to be involved in that training and equipping. So the first point we looked at, discipleship's for all Christians. The second point backs that up. This isn't just for the spiritual leadership. It's for us all. And then, folks, we end with this. This is it. Last sub-point here. The question is who is involved in, in, in mentoring. We must remember that God is involved. We must remember that Jesus Christ is entirely involved in our discipleship. Because, look, we look at the end of Matthew and we think, wow, this is a monumental challenge. This is an incredible command from Jesus Christ, this great commission. But it ain't the end of the story, is it? Because Jesus goes on in verse 20 and he promises his own involvement in this. Essentially, he says, make disciples and surely I am with you always. Make disciples and surely I am with you always. You see, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking we are unworthy of this. Should be thinking that in some We're thinking the idea of mentoring, the idea of discipling another Christian. This is beyond us. This is beyond our abilities. Well, if that's what we're thinking, Think we have to cling to this truth that our Lord never commands us to do something that He doesn't first equip us for. He never instructs us to do something 
that he doesn't first equip us for. You see, what is the point of this stuff? You know, when everything, when all's said and done, and when everything is stripped away, why would we mentor? Why would we be involved in discipleship? Well, we do this so that ultimately the name of Jesus Christ is glorified. That's why we would do it, isn't it? We would do this stuff because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We would be involved in this because of what Jesus has done for you on the cross. Because of that, we should want to care for each other. We should want to love each other. We should want to mentor and disciple each other. And friends, this is, this is an exciting opportunity that we have in this congregation. So I urge you, tonight, I urge you to embrace the idea of mentoring. I urge you to, to, to pray about it. Let's do this stuff. And let's do it for the, the glory of our Saviour. A Saviour who has promised to be with us always, always, to the very ends of the age. Let's pray.